a green and yellow parrot, which hung in a cage outside the door, kept repeating over and over. Elez Vosen, Elez Vosen, Sapristi, that's all right. He could speak a little Spanish, and also a language which nobody understood, unless it was the mockingbird that hung on the other side of the door, whistling his fluty notes out upon the breeze with muttering persistence. Mr. Pontelier, unable to read his newspaper with any degree of comfort, arose with an expression and an exclamation of disgust. He walked down the gallery and across the narrow bridges, which connected the Lebrun cottages one with the other. He had been seated before the door of the main house. The parrot and the mockingbird with the property of Madame Lebrun, and they had the right to make all the noise they wished. Mr. Pontelier had the privilege of quitting their society when they ceased to be entertaining. He stopped before the door of his own cottage, which was the fourth one from the main building, and next to the last. Seating himself in the wicker rocker which was there, he once more applied himself to the task of reading the newspaper. The day was Sunday. The paper was a day old. Sunday papers had not yet reached Grand Isle. He was already acquainted with the market reports, and he glanced restlessly over the editorials and bits of news which he had not had time to read before quitting New Orleans the day before. Mr. Pontelier wore eyeglasses. He was a man of forty, of medium height, and rather slender build. He stooped a little. His hair was brown and straight, parted on one side. His beard was neatly and closely trimmed. Once in a while, he withdrew his glance from the newspaper and looked about him. There was more noise than ever over at the house. The main building was called the house. To distinguish it from the cottages, chattering and whistling birds were still at it. Two young girls, the Farival twins, were playing a duet from Sampa upon the piano. Madame Lebrun were bustling in and out, giving orders in a high key to a yard boy whenever she got inside the house, and directions in an equally high voice to a dining room servant whenever she got back outside. She was a fresh, pretty woman, clad always in white with elbow sleeves. Her starched skirts crinkled as she came and went farther down before one of the cottages. A lady in black was walking demurely up and down, telling her beads. A good many persons of the pension had gone over to the Chenier Caminata in Baudelette's lugger to hear mass. Some young people were out under the water oaks playing croquet. Mr. Pontelier's two children were there, sturdy little fellows of four and five, 
A quadroon nurse followed them about with a faraway, mediative air. Mr. Pontelier finally lit a cigar and began to smoke, letting the paper drag idly from his hand. He fixed his gaze upon a white sunshade that was advancing at snail's pace from the beach. He could see it plainly between the gaunt trunk of the water oaks and across a stretch of yellow Camille Nile. The gulf looked far away, melting hazily into the blue of the horizon. The sunshade continued to approach slowly. Beneath this pink-lined shelter were his wife, Mrs. Pontelier, and young Robert Lebron. When they reached the cottage, the two seated themselves, with some appearance of fatigue, upon the upper step of the porch, facing each other, each leaning against a supporting post. What folly to bathe at such an hour in such heat, exclaimed Mr. Pontelier. He himself had taken a plunge at daylight. That was why the morning seemed long to him. You are burnt beyond recognition, he added, looking at his wife as one looks at a valuable piece of personal property which has suffered some damage. She held up her hands, strong shapely hands, and surveyed them critically, drawing up her fawn sleeves above the wrist. Looking at them reminded her of her rings, which she had given to her husband before leaving for the beach. She silently reached out to him, and he, understanding, took the rings from his vest pocket and dropped them into her own palm. She slipped them upon her fingers. Then clasping her knees, she looked across at Robert and began to laugh. The ring sparkled upon her fingers. He sent back an answering smile. What is it? asked Pontelier, looking lazily and amused from one to the other. It was some utter nonsense, some adventure out there in the water, and they both tried to relate it at once. It did not seem half so amusing when told. They realized this, and so did Mr. Pontelier. He yawned and stretched himself. Then he got up, saying he had half a mind to go over to Clean's hotel and play a game of billiards. Come, go along, Lebron, he proposed to Robert. But Robert admitted quite frankly that he prepared to stay where he was and talk to Mrs. Pontelier. Well... Send him about his business when he bores you, Edna, instructed her husband as he prepared to leave. Here, take the umbrella, she complained, holding out to him. He accepted the sunshade, and lifting it over his head, descended the steps and walked away. Coming back to dinner, his wife called after him. He halted a moment and shrugged his shoulders. He felt in his vest pocket. 
there is a $10 bill there. You do not know. Perhaps you would return for the early dinner. Perhaps you would not. It all depended upon the company which he found over at Queen's, and the size of the game. He did not say this, but she understood it and laughed, nodding goodbye to him. Both children wanted to follow their father when they saw him starting out. He kissed them and promised to bring them back bonbons and peanuts. Mrs. Pontelier's eyes were quick and bright. They were a yellowish-brown, about the color of her hair. She had a way of turning them swiftly upon an object and holding them there, as if lost in some inward maze of contemplation or thought. Her eyebrows were a shade darker than her hair. They were thick and almost horizontal, emphasizing the depths of her eyes. She was rather handsome than beautiful. Her face was captivating by reason of a certain frankness of expression and a contradictory, subtle play of features. Her manner was engaging. Robert rolled a cigarette. He smoked cigarettes because he could not afford cigars, he said. He had a cigar in his pocket which Mr. Pontelier had presented him with and he was saving it for his after-dinner smoke. This seemed quite proper and natural on his part. In coloring, he was not unlike his companion. A clean, shaved face made the resemblance more pronounced than it would otherwise have been. There rested no shadow of care upon his open countenance. His eyes gathered in and reflected the light and languor of the summer day. Mrs. Pontelier reached over for a palm leaf fan that lay on the porch and began to fan herself, while Robert sent between his lips light puffs from his cigarette. They chatted insensibly about the things around them, their amusing adventure out in the water. It had again assumed its entertaining aspect. About the wind, the trees, people who had gone to the chenier, about the children playing crochet under the oaks, and the Farival twins, who were now performing the overture to The Poet and the Peasant.